This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Dr. Jonathan Teich, Chief Medical Information Officer at Elsevier Health Sciences. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Teich. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Howard. Okay, today we want to talk to you a little bit about the use of social media in healthcare. Some organizations are experimenting with using social media to help educate patients or market their services. How do you expect the role of social media in healthcare to gradually evolve in the coming years? Well, if we follow the trends that are going on right now, we're going to see more of it. That's probably an easy prediction. But I can see where not only providers, but also patient associations, even community associations, uh, all coming in and really vying for the patient's desktop as we once vied for the patient's desktop, perhaps. I think we'll see more in the way of of one-way things, such as notifications. I think you'll see more personalization of the notifications. So I think that it wouldn't be surprising to see social media become more of a way to do the kinds of of comments that sometimes we get in the regular mail nowadays, notifications of new available services, notifications of procedures and health maintenance intervals that are due. I think as the security catches up with the flexibility of this medium, people will realize that it's such an easy way to get to people wherever they are, whenever they are, that we'll find more different channels coming in. So I would expect to see more different uh, sectors of the healthcare world getting involved. I would expect to see a lot more one-way notification systems, and I think we'll see probably more experimentation with two-way communication. Recently, one California hospital announced it planned to fire five employees and discipline another because they used social media to post personal discussions about specific hospital patients. This points to the security risks involved in using social media. Should hospitals and others develop clear policies on the appropriate use of social media to help minimize security risks? Well, I think that's absolutely necessary, Howard. I think that it's important to greet any new technological uh, trend that becomes really prevalent with the necessary social catch-up. It's so often that any new technology gets embraced widely because it's easy, it's fun, it's, it's what's going on, but the social importance and the social justification sometimes don't catch up for a year or two. And the example you're talking about is one of several where people have really not understood what the privacy bounds are and just how widely their information is going to get distributed. So in the absence of the natural evolution of the social uh, social context, I think that this information is so sensitive that hospitals and other organizations are going to have to jump the gun. They're going to have to say, look, while you're using this, we're going to have to tell you in advance some very important do's and don'ts about this. Otherwise, I think people's natural tendency will sometimes take them the wrong way. Okay, so what are the essential components of a social media policy, some of those do's and don'ts? It's really something that has to sort out. You know, the easiest thing you could say would be a rule that says, Nothing about your current work experience on any social network. Uh, you know that would certainly be the the no information, therefore no bad information kind of version. But I think that as Paul Levy from Beth Israel Deacon has said, we have to acknowledge that people will be using it, and we have to give them sort of more specific guidelines. I think the obvious thing, of course, is that nothing about not only an identifiable patient, but nothing about any single patient or any small group of patients like, like oh, the patients on my unit are really such and such this week. I think it's, it's just important to treat this the same way that we would treat 
conversations about patients in public. There, there really can't be anything that, not only anything that can identify a patient, there really can't be anything that's specifically describing what's going on with a patient or one's emotional reaction to a patient. So that's, that's probably number one. Number two, I think, has to do with professional remarks, uh, particularly criticism of other persons in the unit, uh, other persons that one works with, criticism about the hospital management or, or vice versa, the kinds of things that people may feel comfortable saying on a golf course or in a, in a small gathering with one or two friends and have to realize that the social media is not the same thing. So there probably needs to be some examples, some kind of discussion about making sure you understand that if you make any kind of professional criticism, maybe not banning it entirely, but understanding that anything you say is very likely to be spread and noted widely. I think those are two things. Probably a third one has to do with professional relations in another way. Sometimes we find that when professionals and their subordinates or superiors are together as friends on Facebook, for example, then it can get difficult. For example, the, the higher-up may be off on some perk-based vacation and will photograph all these vacation spots, not quite realizing that it has a different effect on some of the subordinates. So, so that's a more subtle thing where you say, gee, maybe I shouldn't be kind of really extravagantly displaying all the fun stuff I get that my friends don't get. Added to that, I would say probably one more thing, which has been said over and over again. I think that doctors, nurses really cannot be friends on social media with their patients, uh, at least not if that's the only basis for their relationship. It's just too hard to keep these really widespread channels uh, to be, keep them clean and pure. I think that if the relationship is based on a professional contact, then that probably has to be kept to much more private channels. All in all, it's a matter of understanding that very little social media stays private. What's the best way to educate staff members about a social media policy? What should be the sanctions for violating it and how to educate people about the sanctions? It's difficult. You know, when I think about that, I think about in our hospital and, of course, every other, I'm sure, we have mandatory educational sessions for uh, for discrimination in the workplace, for sexual harassment, for other kinds of behaviors that simply have a zero tolerance to them. And in those cases, we go beyond just you know having to read about it. There's usually some kind of mandatory session where you actually have to be present and watch someone showing some examples. I think that whether that's done person-to-person or whether that's done in some kind of audio-video mode that you're required to fulfill, I think it's probably important to actually sit down and see some examples so you can understand what's going on. So I would imagine that there should be and will be educational sessions that really involve hearing and seeing what some of these things can do. I think that it has to be something that gets communicated periodically in your professional group. So if you're a resident and in your residence meeting association or your professional practice group, uh, it has to be treated very seriously. And the sanctions presumably fit the crime, of course, but if, if an offense about a patient becomes as derogatory as some other kinds of harassment, then it probably needs to be dealt with the same way. Should hospitals and other healthcare organizations use data loss prevention technology or some other type of technology to help monitor staff use of social media and prevent patient information from being posted? I think that, again, this is a case where, sure, you could, and certainly it would be effective, but you have to be careful about being too uh, rigid on what you do. 
think it's important to understand that social media, if it progresses the way it has been progressing, is going to be a very common phenomenon, a very transparent phenomenon. By the same token, once upon a time when I first started out, hospitals had PC committees, personal computer committees, that would dictate sort of how people would use personal computers. Well, nobody would hear about such a thing nowadays because it's a personal computer is like a pair of shoes. It's, it's just something that one has. If social media develops in that term, then you can't be too totalitarian about how you regulate it. I think that it's possible to have technologies that look at patient-specific things, but bear in mind also that a lot of the conversation that's going on is likely to happen outside of the hospital's walls. So I don't think that this necessarily is the most effective approach, and I don't think that it's one that's going to foster the good workplace relationships. I think at some point we have to say, these are the things you should do and shouldn't do. These are the kinds of examples. And if you do them anywhere, anytime, and it comes back, then you're going to be in big trouble. Okay. Do you have any other final advice for those considering how to use social media while protecting the privacy of patient information? What are some good uses and what are some good privacy protection steps? Well, I think awareness is paramount, and I think that it's awareness of a kind we've never seen before. You know, in every hospital and every elevator, there's always a sign that says, remember, you shouldn't be discussing patient information in an elevator. And you know, and yet people still do with some kind with veiled references and usually not including people's names and such. But people feel like they can do that because they feel like they look at the people around the elevator and say, well, the chances of my getting into trouble here are, you know, not very good, not very good. But here, I think that that elevator conversation, once it's been been made, is done. But anything you post on social media is forever. And I think that it's it's really a matter of saying, look, there is huge awareness issue that's necessary. These things have an infinite lifetime, and they are, can be read over and over and over again. So I think that it's a matter of saying, you know, this is more important than all those other signs we put up there before. I think I would put that out explicitly. Everything we said about the elevators, everything we said about the hallways, this is this is tougher. This is going to get out much more widely. So really trying to put the notion in everyone's mind that this is really the most vulnerable, the most profligate media, uh, it's important to say this is going to get out no matter what. So I think that's that's number one, is a very high focus on importance. And then I think the second one is saying understand that there have been examples of one kind or another. I think it's important to expose those examples where things have gotten into trouble. And I think that those two things are probably going to be the best we can do. We still have to rely on the fact that we're working with professionals. We can't treat everybody with a complete shackle, as we talked about in the last question. It's going to be all about awareness and much more of the same. Well, thanks, Dr. Teich. We've been talking today with Jonathan Teich of Elsevier Health Sciences. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.